Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey everybody, Wendy Sellers here, the HR lady. I am back with JC. It is a pleasure to be with the HR lady. Never a hard time saying that term, I tell you. <laughs> the fact that you got that copywritten, trademarked, whatever you did, it was amazing. Love that terminology, HR lady. Two, two trademarks there on that. Is So for those of you that have been listening, you know, my co-host here, JC, is a veteran. Thank you very much for your service. You're welcome. Appreciate Thank you. it. Today, we're talking about veterans and how we can hire veterans to fill those empty positions. Uh, we have such a staff shortage across the United States, really across the world. It's not just the United States. I was a podcast guest on another podcast this uh, past week, and I uh, believe, I don't even know where they were, somewhere Switzerland or something like that, and same exact information, shortage of staff, what do we do? And it all comes down to, listen, take your time hiring, not too long, because somebody else will scoop them up, and let's start thinking outside the box. Let's start thinking about veterans who can fill these awesome positions and who could probably do better than most of us that have already been in the position. So, I want to give our candidates that are listening today opportunities and websites to go to to say, you know what, my resume is written in all military terminology and most uh, people, now I was going to say most HR people, but honestly, most people don't understand the military terminology. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, I'm not afraid of a heck of a lot, but when I see some military resumes or in the past, I would get intimidated. And so I would find ways to not have to deal with it. And then I learned, okay, there's all these websites that can help translate that terminology. But candidates, you've got to know that you have to do the translation because the HR people, the hiring managers are not going to do it. They're too busy. They're overwhelmed the way it is. So you have to help yourself. What are your thoughts about that? I, I totally agree. I got some bad advice many years ago from a resume writer. And uh, the individual helped me retool and reskill my resume. And it was a huge downgrade uh, from what my knowledge, skills, and abilities were. And it took a long time to bounce back from that to get things documented accordingly and translate the terminology and then incorporate that with knowledge, skills, and abilities that I had picked up out here in the real world. It's a real world on both sides, but it's just two sides of the equation. It's like two separate realities coexisting, and they don't always communicate with each other effectively. So uh, get it right the first time. If you can't do it yourself, assume that you're not going to be able to do it yourself. You don't know what you don't know. Keep it simple. Turn to someone. Your yeah, civilian absolutely. resume is going to give an employer an overview of who you are and what you've done. And if you've been in the military, you already know, and you have the skills that are very useful. So tips for making a resume that stands out include collecting assets, the verification of your military experience and training. It's very important to make sure you have that. And translate the military job training into civilian terms. Highlight your intangible skills and make sure that you choose a resume style. Let that be chronological, functional, or maybe a mix of the two, including essential parts. 
It really depends on the uh, sector and subsector work that you might be striving for as well. But look at your contact information, your objective, your summary of qualifications, your employment history, education, training, special skills. Tailor that resume that is probably at the tip of the spear. It's going to be amazing. It'll be the best resume, biggest resume ever. Most people in the world will line up to look at that resume. It's going to be fantastic. Huge resume. But make it better. Make it better to make it something that relates to other individuals so that they understand what you're saying. But Wendy, I got a question for you. Even if after all that work's done, let it be by themselves or with other people, should you still do a cover letter? Oh, boy, the dreaded cover letter. Um, I would say yes. So here's the reason I say yes. I personally, you know, I do recruiting as well for my clients. And me and my my recruiter that I have on my team, we could care less about cover letters. But if you give us one, we're not going to say anything, but we don't ask for them. Um, and the reason we don't ask for them is because I know nine out of 10 people are doing, they have uploaded their resume into probably a PDF or a word, um, onto an app. And then they're doing everything on, on their, on their phone. Um, I know personally, I don't always look at the cover letter. I go right to the resume. And then if I don't understand something, I refer back to the cover letter. But many organizations do require a cover letter. And so that's why I say, you know what? There, if, if half the organizations, I don't know, I'm throwing a number out there. If half the organizations sure. are saying we need a cover letter, then just have one. It's really just recapping what your resume says and what you want right now. Here's another material question for you. You know, back in the day, I took the initiative to literally walk in the office back, back before the Internet days. I don't know. We had the Internet. So it was invented by Al Gore. George Bush renamed them the Internets. We remember that, right? But look, you, you walked in and you wanted to know who was in charge. You wanted to know who that hiring manager was. Either you picked up the phone or you stopped by to inquire more about the position. You were attempting to obtain the name and at least say hi. And if you didn't have a chance to say hi, you wanted to know the name of that hiring official or the name of the person in charge of hiring so that you could use that on your cover letter. Is it wrong or is it too strange to start fielding phone calls from people that are like, I need to find out that, oh, it's Wendy? What's Wendy's last name? I'm going to give them a call. I should stop by. What's the best way to address the cover letters? Addressing that hiring official. Making it personal, getting their name? Stalk them a little bit? Find them on Indeed or LinkedIn? Stalking is illegal, so we're going to say no there. Thank you. (laughs) We're going to go no with the stalking. But you know what? All I could say is, so there's two sides to this. Um. Most organizations, I'm going to pause there, many organizations, not most, many organizations have this standard operating procedure of this is where your resume needs to go. It needs to go to applicant tracking system and, you know, can't go out of here. And and especially anybody who's receiving any kind of federal or state government funds, they have to make sure it goes through this process. So they get, you know, check all their um they're uh, the boxes of, OK, we're not releasing this and, and the, the resumes to the hiring managers until we have X amount of whatever black workers or female workers and and they're filling out the voluntary form. So ideally, everybody would do that. They don't. Uh, many organizations and I'm going to go the opposite here and say, actually, most organizations are small companies and they don't even have an application tracking system. So. If you were my friend and you were calling me and say, what do I do? I kind of know somebody at the company. Um, I would say, okay, go ahead, fill out the official application and 
then send the person at the company who you found or who you know, send them your your resume and or your cover letter if you have one and just say, hey, just want to let you know, I'm really excited about this job. I just filled out the application. So they know, okay, you followed our process, but now I got your resume and I'm excited. And often then what happens is that VP or whoever runs down to HR or to the recruiter and says, hey, so-and-so say, said they filled out an application. Did they? Good. Okay. I want to talk to them. Um, nice. Other times, yeah. other times I might just go on their spam and get deleted, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, if you really are excited about working somewhere, don't stalk anybody, don't harass anybody, but definitely do make yourself stand out from somebody else. There's, there's not too much of a, of a downside. Um, and the other, the last thing I want to say about that, JC, is I have no clue how people are going to react. So, you know, sometimes it's just throwing your hat in the wind and going, okay, I'm going to try this and we'll see what happens. And you just said it best, make yourself stand out. And one of the best ways you could do that, especially with an HRS system, those computer uh, aggregate type things, is get that resume fine-tuned the right way. There's a bunch of tools that the U.S. Department of Labor and the Department of Veteran Affairs offer to help you make a resume and transition that But I also know that there's a whole plethora of other tools that the HR lady has also sourced to talk a little bit about here during this episode. Should you desire, I'd like to throw it back to you. Yeah, I want to just rattle off a few websites for the candidates here. And and this is for HR, too, who are saying, you know what, I need to translate my military terminology to civilian. Um, Seriously, all you have to do is go into into your search engine and put, you know, military terminology translations and and a ton of websites will come up. But one is from military.com. Another one is militaryonesource.mil. Um, careeronestop.org and that's a federal website for um, that has veteran pages on there uh, there's a careeronestop.org toolkit that gives you the skills matcher there is one t online.org and then there's another one i have no clue how to say this which is taonline.com and so I'm sure there's a lot more, but you know, I, I checked each and every one of them out. And for some of them, if your HR on there and you don't know what the MOS code is, then it, you're not going to be able to use these websites because they're specifically asking you, uh, usually the veteran to enter an MSO, MOS code, and then it gets translated into civilian use. But other ones, it's just words that you put in there. So make sure that you are checking out those sites. And again, I'll be more than happy to post these on my blog, on my website, thehrlady.com, and then also on a LinkedIn post under Wendy Sellers or under the HR Lady. We have one more set of information that I want to talk about for employers who are interested in hiring uh, military vets. I want to talk a little bit more about discrimination. And we will be back in a minute with Series 5 of 5. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast, brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.